Philippians 4. And our text is going to come from verse 7. If you would stand with me as we read verse 7. It says, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you so much for your blessings on our life. We thank you for the opportunities that you give us. We thank you for this place that you've given these folks to come and worship you and serve you and be a family together. We pray now that you'll bless the message this evening. Lord, help me to get out of the way and, and, and just rely on the Holy Spirit's guidance and anything that you'd have me to do or say. We love you, Lord, and ask these things in your precious, precious holy name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So, this, uh, this passage... And peace of, and the peace of God, which passes with all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's been a rough year. It's been a rough little bit of what 2021 we're in, right? So we need some peace. God's people, the world needs some peace. God's people need some peace. But this, let me tell you, is not a promise. The, the peace that the Lord is talking about here is not a promise to Christians. Christians are pre, to be a Christian is a prerequisite, but it's not a promise to Christians. It's a promise to Christians that follow God's directives for peace in their lives. Hey, if we can, we can, you can be a Christian and live in turmoil. It's easy to do. If we follow the Lord's directions, then we get this peace. We don't become born again and automatically obtain God's peace if we don't also follow His directions and how to obtain that peace. Uh, and, and it's just like peace doesn't come with salvation. It comes when you follow his directions. When we raise our children, uh, we don't give them everything, or we shouldn't anyway, give them everything they want, regardless of how they act, do we? God doesn't either. He expects us to do what he directs us to do so that we can enjoy the peace that he's, he provides for us. And I'm not talking about uh, living a sinless life because that's impossible. Every single one of us are going to sin. Every single one of us are, are not going to meet God's standard. But there are specific directives outside of our sin that we have in our life that he expects us to perform so that we can have peace. So Christians weren't meant, do you know this? Christians weren't meant to struggle with the things of this life. We weren't meant to. We're meant to follow God's directives so we can exhibit peace that peace that passes all understanding so that in the face of the things that happen in this world, we can be peaceful and live in that peace. And then others can see that peace that we exhibit and, and be interested and inquire as to how we have such peace in such a miserable time, which gives us the opportunity to tell them why. We're, we're, we're not meant to live in turmoil. And part of the Great Commission is following God's directives so that we can have peace. Who wants, look, some of the poor mouthedest people I ever met in my life are church folks. And that, that's, I don't know if it's a term here, but poor mouthing is a, a term down south wherein everybody's complaining, oh, my back hurts, oh, my uh, whatever this and whatever that. We complain more than, uh, than, than most folks. Who in the world, what lost person would want to be us if they see the way we represent the Lord? If they see the peace that we don't have as Christians. The Lord gave us, 
gave us directives so that we can live in peace, so that we can enjoy that, but also it's something that we need in order to carry out the Great Commission. We'll never enjoy the peace of God. Lost people will never want what we have, and we will never properly carry out our mission of the Great Commission if we never experience the peace of God. It's critical in a Christian life. We'll never experience the peace of God if we never follow His instructions on how to obtain the peace of God. So, let us review those things which uh, God says we must do to carry out our mission properly and peacefully in times of turmoil. It wouldn't be a very good family meeting, which is what this is. We're a family, and it wouldn't be a very good family meeting if we, didn't, if we just talked about our problems and didn't talk about solutions. So let's talk about what Paul said. And there's four things I think that we have to do, and Paul lays them out pretty clear, in order to have peace in our lives so that we can, we can live peaceably, first of all, and secondly, so we can be a good representative for the Lord, and people will want to be like us. People will want to be saved. And the first thing that we have to do is that we have to give others their rightful place. Look at verse 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Beseech Eudeus and beseech Senchi that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Paul is writing two, two different types of people here, and he's talking about a, a third type. Paul's writing, first of all, to his life's most prized possession. He refers to them as his brethren, his dearly beloved, his longed for, for his joy and his crown. I can tell you right now that when I see those guys that were on there, those are my dearly beloved. That's my most prized possession in this world. I love my, my wife. I love my children. But my most prized possession are those guys right there because those are the ones that my God sent me here to reach. Those are the ones that will give me a crown and, and give me goodness with my, my heavenly father for eternity. And, and, and that's what Paul is writing to here. These are those that he gave the gospel to and were able to subsequently see them saved. And they hold a very special place in his life. That's why he talks to, about them like that. Is there anybody in your life other than your wife that you've ever said things like that about? Evidence of his love for them in this passage, in addition to how he references them, is this. And this is something that we often miss out on. We often, as, as Christians, I, I asked a church a couple weeks ago, raise your hand if you were saved in this church, and it's a good church, in the last five years because someone reached out to you in the church. And now the hand came up. And it wasn't that folks hadn't been saved. It was folks hadn't discipled the ones that had been saved. So we see evidence that Paul loves these, these people because he goes further to, to give them some discipleship, some training. And that he continues by saying uh, what to do in their life. He says, be of the same mind in the Lord. And he, and he tells them, help those women which labored. He trains them. Oftentimes when we get folks saved and they don't automatically become what we think that they should be, uh, and they leave, we say, well, they must have not have been saved. They, they just did, it didn't take. When 100% of the time, 
if somebody gets saved in, in a church and, and they don't start to grow, it's because Christians didn't do what we were supposed to do in discipling them. We're not done when we get them to the, get them to the altar. That's where the job begins. Anybody can have a baby. It takes a parent. It takes leadership. It takes discipleship to raise that child. And that's what we're supposed to do. And that's what Paul was doing here. If you don't have, if you don't have uh, one of these, if you're not, if you don't have somebody that you could refer to uh, like Paul does here, who's in church with you, who is your crown, your joy, when you look at them, you just say, I know what they were and I know what God did for them and I know where they are now. And, and I was a part of that. They're my joy. They're my crown. They're my dearly beloved. If you don't have in that, you don't have somebody like that you can point to, you are missing out. Let me tell you, you're missing out on the greatest joy that there ever was in Christianity. It, it's, it, you just can't imagine. I love my kids. I love the day that we're born. I love the day that these folks were born again better for reasons that we've already explained. They're our joy. And, and that opportunity is for, for every one of you. You have the opportunity to have someone like that. So the first people that he was talking to, uh, in order to have joy, we have to put people in the rightful place. You have to have those kinds of people. He also talks to other Christians when he says, and with my, my, and with other, my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Here's, here's my, 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 my favorite, my joy, my crown. Okay, now you fellow laborers, he's talking to them too, and we have to put them in the rightful place. That's us. If you're here and you're saved, you're a fellow laborer in Christ. Our brothers and our sisters in Christ are fellow laborers and are a resource that God gave us to help one another. Did you know that? The purpose of the church is to edify the saints so that we can go out on Satan's battlefield and bring in the lost. Our job is to be a family and to grow and help and discuss hard issues and, and, and lead each other and, and pray for each other and be closer than any earthly family that we have. So if that's the case, what would the enemy love to do? He'd love to tear it apart, wouldn't he? Satan tries to steal that from us by causing strife and by causing jealousy and causing ego. I can tell you something that I learned in 16 years as a judge before I retired is that every single family has equal troubles. Some just conceal them better. So when we go to a church and we look at each other and we say, oh, well, that, that guy is up here, that guy's down here, and this guy's, you know, it, it's not the case. Some folks just conceal their troubles better, and, and we're all a family, and we all have to work together. And let me tell you this, the act of concealing our troubles uh, from our brothers and sisters and thinking differently about someone else who we might think is up here, it's, it's, it's a tactic that Satan gives us. We talk about some of the most unbelievable things. If I told you, church folk would get up and walk out in these disciple veteran meetings. Because they're issues that people deal with. They're issues that are on one of their hearts and they need help with. And you know what? That's exactly what we're supposed to be able to do. To have a peaceful life, to have the peace that passes all understanding, we have to have some, some joy people in our lives. We have to have some crowns in our life. And we have to have, we have to have our brothers and sisters, our fellow servants, who, who we can discuss issues and, and, and get help from. It's important. 
The third, the third group of people that we have to uh, have is lost people. He says, he talks to the, to the folks and he says, which labored with me in the gospel. Lost people have a very important place in your life if, you want, if you're a Christian and you want peace. They're the purpose of our life once we're saved. Hey, the purpose of your life isn't raising your family if you're a Christian. The purpose of your life isn't your job if you're a Christian. The purpose of your life isn't uh, your hobby if you're a Christian. Your sole purpose in your life as a Christian is to give the gospel to lost folks. Everything else falls into place. You put God and his, his directive for the Great Commission at the top and everything else will fall into place. Our job is to reach lost people and to give them, give them the gospel. Satan, especially now, and this is important in Christendom, in, in today especially, because we look at the world and we see enemies. Satan calls us to view lost people as the enemy of this war when in fact they're refugees. We look at the other political party as an enemy. We look at, at drug addicts as enemies. We look at pedophiles as enemies. We look at, at prostitutes as enemies. We look at, at, at everybody that doesn't think and act like us as the enemy, when in fact Satan is the enemy. They're refugees of this war, and it's our job to rescue those refugees. Who do you think, if there's two, there's only two entities in the world that control anything, God and Satan. And if God tells us to love those folks and to reach those folks, and to live with the purpose of reaching those folks, who do you think it is that causes you to look at them as an enemy? Satan. He's the only other one that's controlling anything. If he can get us to look at them as an enemy, we'll never reach them with the gospel. If he can get us to get into an argument with somebody over something as stupid as politics on Facebook, he's put a wall between us ever being able to reach them with the gospel. When in fact our job is to reach them with the gospel. It's our purpose. If we properly perform our mission, the lost people that we've just been talking about will become your crown will become your joy will become that person that Paul was talking to in the first couple of verses. That's a sweet thing when you can look at somebody who lived for Satan and was miserable and just because they just didn't know and you can give them the gospel and then they change that spot and become your crown. Oh, that's a beautiful place. So giving, giving other, others their proper place in our life is a requirement for the peace that passes all understanding. Secondly, we have to give, we have to give God his rightful place. Verses four through seven says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. We as Christians are the only people who have a reason to rejoice. Did you know that? Nobody else in the world has a reason to rejoice except Christians. This is as good as it gets for them. 
If we could comprehend that when we go through a trial, that when we, that we perceive as a trial, if we could just comprehend, because often it's the trials in life that cause us to struggle. It causes us to say, why is God letting this happen to me? It, it causes us to have a downside. If we could just comprehend that if we're following what Lord wants us to do, every time a trial raises up, it's nothing more than God teaching me something or bringing me to a place where he wants me to be. If we could look at our trials like that, there would never be a downside. And that's exactly what it is. It's God. When you, if you're living faithfully for God and you hit a trial, it's simply God training us. It's simply God putting us where he wants us. It's simply God uh, teaching us a lesson. So we have, to, we have to look at God properly. Verse 5 says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. In and of itself, the world is without hope. The Lord wants us to be joyful, and he wants us to show the world our joy so that they can be intrigued and desire what we had. We mentioned that a minute ago. That's the purpose of us letting our moderation be known. That's the purpose of us going through town with a smile on our face and saying praise the Lord when something good happens. That's, that's the difference between that and us walking around kicking the ground with a frown. Nobody wants to be that. We have to let our, we have to one, be happy, and then we have to show the world our moderation. We have to let them see how happy we are because we have the, the Holy Spirit living in us and we have a heavenly home. And I guarantee you this, people are going to say, what is that? Why are you so happy when what's going on in the world is going on? It's important. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. To be careful for nothing means don't worry about it. Don't stress it. The, my, favorite, my favorite episode in Scripture where this happened, if you remember back Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what did they say to Nebuchadnezzar when, when he said he was going to throw them in the furnace? What did he say? We won't go back over it, but he says exactly this. Nebuchadnezzar, we weren't careful when we answered you in this. We don't even have to think about it. We know what we're going to do. And, and, and if the Lord saves us, he saves us. If he don't, we'll just go to heaven. And that's the, what the Lord wants us to do here. He tells us to be careful for nothing. Quit worrying. The God that created and controls everything is your heavenly Father. Hey, we have reason to rejoice. And we're the only ones. Don't worry about it. Give it to God. What's that song? I was thinking about it the other day, and I'll think of it in a minute and just burn it out. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be, be comforted in the fact, be comforted in the fact that if it goes a different way, if what you're praying for, because it tells us to pray, if what you're praying for goes a different way, be comforted in the fact that God knows better than we do. He knows, hey, there's been things that I've prayed for and, and it didn't happen. And two years later, I look back and say, man, I'm glad that didn't happen. The God who controls and knows everything is in control. And he's, he, if we're living for him, he's not going to let us make a mistake. And guess what? That brings on peace in our lives. It brings comfort to know. It's comforting to know that I can't make a mistake as long as I'm living for him. And letting him lead and guide and direct in my life. 
Imagine this. You're down on a battlefield in a, in a battle fighting and you're looking and saying, this is what needs to happen down here. And then the general is up here on a, on a mountain overlooking the whole war. You see your little battle. That's all you see. And you think you know what needs to happen because of what your little battle is going on. But the Lord's standing up here seeing your whole life, the history, the future, what you're going to encounter. And he knows what's best for you. So, hey, it might not go our way, but be, be secure in the fact that we've got a God on the hill looking down and directing us. That's something to have peace about. That's something to cause you to live this life peacefully. Giving God his proper place in our life is a requirement for the peace that passes all understanding. Other people are, lost people, our, our, our crown people are, uh, our brothers and sisters are, and God in his proper place in our life is a requirement to have the peace that passes all understanding. We must give uh, the world its right place. Philippians 8 through 4, 8 and 9 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which that ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. The world offers us nothing that is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue, or praise. So if we're looking to anything that the world offers us, we're not going to see it. You can't go to the world and get those things. It's impossible. So we're not to look to the world. Success at your job, as I said a minute ago, won't bring you peace. Your family won't bring you peace. Your love life won't bring you peace, young folk. Hey, you can see the prettiest girl in the world, and it ain't going to be peace, believe me. Money won't bring you peace. Entertainment won't bring you peace. According to God's word, nothing other than thinking on these things will give you peace. So how do we do that? How, how, do, we, how do we think on those things if the world doesn't provide them? We need to put more effort into pleasing the soul than pleasing the flesh. That's the concept that he's reaching here. Pleasing the soul instead of pleasing the flesh. That means less TV time and more Bible time. That means less self-help and more God help. Less uh, hobby and more gospel. That's not to say that we can't enjoy the things of life, but it's that they have to be in their proper place. God comes first. Our mission for God comes first. Giving the world its proper place in our life is a requirement for peace that passes all understanding. It's a requirement. And the last thing, the fourth thing, is we must give ourselves our rightful place. Verse 10 through 12 says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to, be up, how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul learned that peace was not connected to physical comfort. It's not. He learned that. He learned that peace stems from the fact that God will provide for your needs as we require them. 
that you never go without if you live for God. He, he didn't live comfortably. We know, we know how he lived. But he can say that because he knew that when he needed something, God was going to provide it, and he didn't have to worry about how he was going to get it. In our churches, in our personal lives, we've come to believe that uh, we need something other than God before we can carry out the mission God's given us. When in fact, God says, carry out my mission and I'll provide for your needs. For example, God tells us to start a ministry. And the first thing that we do is we start thinking about the things that we need to do in order to start a ministry. God tells us to do anything. And we start saying, okay, well, I'm going to have to have this. And I'm going to have to have that. And I've got, I've got to move down this road. And before you know it, uh, we, we never get to what God told us to do because we're never able to get the things done that he wants us to, that we think we need to do to get there. When in fact, he just says, go do it. He told Paul, go do it and I'll take care of your needs. And, and the satisfaction that God, Paul got was that he took care of his needs. And we'll get to that last verse here in a minute. I'll explain it to you. Paul learned that when God said do something, to just do it, and God will provide what you need when you need it. Verse 13. People mess this up all the time. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. This gives us evidence of Paul's lesson. Okay, now follow me here. I'm going to read this so I don't mess it up. It gives us evidence of Paul's lessons that he learned. And that he says, which strengtheneth me, not who strengtheneth me. You see, he was not saying he could do all things because God strengthened him. He was saying that he had learned that he could do all things because he had followed God and allowed God to, to prove himself. Which gave him strength to do anything that God told him to do. God didn't give him superhuman strength to go do these things. The strength that Paul had was the fact that he could do anything because he knew God was going to take care of his needs. He, if he just did what God told him, he could tell him to, to do anything in this world with the, with the surety that God was going to take care of his needs if he did what he told him to do. Therefore, he can do anything. I can do all things. I can do all things as long as God's the one telling me to do them. Because he's going to care for me. He's going to give me the tools I need. We're not the providers in God's plan. We're the doers in God's plan. We have to depend on God to provide. We just don't do. And we make excuses like God hadn't provided yet. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the experience. Look, you're looking at one of the most ignorant people that's ever walked the earth, but God gives me words sometimes, and I don't know where they come from. And if I had never started teaching this disciple veterans class or the, the other class, I learned so much more from that, and God gave me words I didn't even know I, I knew how to say. Because you're willing to, to just do what he wants you to do. So giving yourself proper place in life is a requirement for the peace that passeth all understanding. So first, and in closing... Let me tell you that the things we've been discussing are not available to you if you're not born again. If you're here and you're lost, just forget everything I said because none of it matters. None of this peace we're talking about, it doesn't matter. You've got to, you've got to get right with the Lord first. And then you follow His directions and then you'll have a peace that you never, that you never understood before. But if you don't know the Lord, hey, look, 
I beg of you, I beg of you, before you walk out this door this evening, that you, you grab hold of someone who does and you ask them to tell you about this, to spend some more time with you in it, because it's the most important decision that you ever make in your life. Born again is a prerequisite to God's peace that we've been talking about. Second, to those who are born again, the only way to enjoy God's peace is to follow his directives on how to obtain God's peace. It does not automatically happen when you get saved. And third, these aren't ideas that I have cooked up. We read them straight from Scripture. So the question of, well, is this really work or is this really not going to work? Uh, if you believe the Bible, there is no question. If you believe the Bible, if you do these things, you will have a peace that passes all understanding. No question about it. I can guarantee you, based on the Word of God, and based on what my Savior has promised, and based on what He's done in our lives, I can guarantee you, if you do these things, you'll have a peace that you just can't even understand. Fourth and finally, you're going to make a decision this evening before you leave this room by your action or your inaction. Now, if you're here and you don't know what I'm talking about, if, you, if you're here and you're saved and you don't have that peace that we're talking about, your inaction this evening is your decision if you decide to leave and continue the way that you are. Or the other decision is that you're going to get, you're going to say, Lord, Hey, I need help with these things and I'm willing. I just need you to direct me. I need that peace that you're talking about. I need the peace that passeth all understanding. My life is in turmoil. I'm saved, but I've got, a, I've got some messes going on. I, I'm struggling with this thing. You're, you get to make that decision before you leave. Do you want to continue to struggle and, 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 and have misery, even, although you're on your way to heaven? Or do you want to enjoy this peace that the Lord's talking about? Action or inaction is what makes that decision this evening. I invite you. I invite you as the piano player comes. If you're saved and you've got, and, and you don't, you don't, you're not enjoying this peace that we're talking about here, I beg you to come to the altar and ask God to, ask God to help you with that. Ask God to show you the things that you need to uh, be shown in your life so that so that you can enjoy this peace and be able to get on the battlefield like he wants us to. And then if you're lost, I beg you to come talk to somebody. See me, Pastor, anybody in here that's saved. Pastor.